0: For Pacifica Radio, February 20th, 2022, I'm Scott Horton. This is Anti-War Radio. All right, y'all welcome to the show. It is Anti-War Radio. I'm your host, Scott Horton, editorial director of Antiwar.com, and author of Enough Already, Time to End the War on Terrorism. You can find my full interview archive or the 5,600 interviews now going back to 2003 at scotthorton.org and at youtube.com slash scotthortonshow. And you can follow me on Twitter at scotthortonshow. And we're going to be doing some fundraising for KPFK this morning too. All right, you all on the line. I have got Ben Freeman again. He is a research fellow at the Quincy Institute for Responsible Statecraft and he has a book called The Foreign Policy Auction. I didn't know that. What a great name, too. Previously, he was director of the Foreign Influence Transparency Initiative at the Center for International Policy. Welcome back to the show, Ben. How you doing?
1: I'm good, Scott. Thank you for having me back on.
0: Very happy to have you here. And um, if that wasn't clear, the point of your work is keeping track of foreign governments who lobby the U.S. government to have their way. And as we've discussed repeatedly Countries like Israel and Saudi Arabia seem to have far more influence than the American people when it comes to American foreign policy. And boy, oh boy, I mean, I guess I kind of already knew this, but I also learned a lot about the Ukraine lobby as it has matured in the last few years in Washington, D.C. This piece is at ResponsibleStateCraft.org, Army of Ukraine lobbyists behind unprecedented Washington Blitz. So give us the bad news here, bud.
1: <laughs> I feel like I only had bad news when I talked to you, Scott. Uh, but in this case, it's, it's another example of a, a foreign powers, lobbyists, PR folks that are really helping to drive the narrative for U.S. foreign policy here in the U.S., So if you're reading the newspaper right now or turning on the news, you're seeing everything about what's going on in Ukraine, the Russian tensions over there. And if you followed my work at all in the past, you know what I'm probably going to tell you next, that a lot of that narrative is being driven by lobbyists uh, that, that are working for the folks behind that fight. So what we've dug into at the Quincy Institute is taking a hard look at everything that the Ukraine lobby has done. Uh, surrounding this conflict and other issues, too, including the Nord Stream pipeline, which we can talk some more about as well. And, and frankly, what we found, Scott, was an unprecedented campaign. I, 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 I've been looking at foreign governments influence operations for 15 years now. I've never seen anything like what Ukraine has done in this past year. What? We're Wait
0: talk- a minute. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, mean, buddy. compared to APAC, <laughs> which rules D.C. with an iron fist.
1: Yeah, I, 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 I think what separates Ukraine from something like APAC, let's say, is that APAC doesn't actually have to do as much. You, you, you know, it's sort well, of that's like right. having.
0: They've already <laughs> sort of laid like, the groundwork there, haven't they?
1: That's right. That's right. You, you, you know, it's almost like so, somebody who has that really big bodyguard, you know, standing right behind him. They don't have to say as much because they got this big, scary guy behind them. For Ukraine, it's a different story, though. The, the, the Ukraine lobby has really had to work that, you know, they've had to roll up their sleeves and, and put in the time to try and steer U.S. foreign policy in their direction. And so what they've done in terms of the activity it, it, it blows everybody else out of the water, whether it's APAC, you know, the Saudi lobby, the Emiratis, who, whoever it is. They're doing multiples of time more work than any government that I've ever looked at.
0: All right. So give us some details there to illustrate what you're talking about.
1: Yeah. So, so what we found, we, we took a look at all their Foreign Agents Registration Act, their FARA filings in 2021 to try and put this all in perspective. And so what we found was actually more than 13,000 reported political activities, which is just nuts. And that was split down kind of three big avenues of influence that they were working on It was Congress, and that was the media, and it was think tanks. The vast majority of that work was, was directed at Congress, more than 8,000 times that Ukraine's lobbyists reached out to folks in Congress, 8,000 times. So a majority of all House and Senate offices were contacted Mm -hmm. uh, by these folks. Some offices that we looked at, like Ron Johnson, for example, who has been a real kind of Russia hawk, folks at his office were contacted almost every other day by Ukraine's lobbyists. So it's been a literal full court press from well, Ukraine's let, lobbyists. And let me stop you right
0: there, too, because, I mean, yeah. am I right that 8000 is just kind of camouflaged for all the times that they didn't self-report or all the times they hired a lawyer to do their lobbying for them or whatever kind of loopholes, too? Or how's that work?
1: Yeah. 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 No, no, th- th- that's exactly right, Scott. This is just what we know that they've done. This is just what they have self-reported. And as we know from lobbying activity and uh, from what we've seen in the past, what they report is often just a fraction of what's actually going on. So what I, I always like to say, we know they, they've done at least 8,000 8, of these contacts with Congress. There's all the unreported activity we don't know about, and there's probably some folks out there that are doing you know, lobbying type work uh, that should be registered under, under the proper uh, disclosure statutes, but they're not. Mm.
0: So I'm sorry on the I'm sorry to interrupt your train of thought, but you're so smart. You'll pick it right back up again. But on the thing (laughs) about the lawyers there, you taught us before. I forget now who it was that had hired the lawyers, if it was Raytheon or if it was the Saudis themselves or who it was, who would. I forget if they just hired a lawyer first or they hired a PR firm to hire a lawyer or they hired a lawyer to hire a PR firm, but to give three thousand dollars to a senator to buy his vote. So that was a pretty major loophole. there using a lawyer instead of a K Street lobbyist. Right
1: right this is what we call uh, the legal exemption under fara and the way it's supposed to work is that you know if somebody's just your lawyer they're they they're representing a foreign government just in a courtroom and doing that type of stuff they don't have to register under fara but what we know very very often happens is that you might hire a lawyer uh, ostensibly for a court case, uh, but then that lawyer goes on CNN. <laughs> they go on Fox News. You know they've got an NPR story coming out, and they're effectively serving as a PR person for you. And so this loophole then gets exploited all the time. You know Saudis, Emiratis, you name it. A lot of foreign governments are exploiting this to have people who are on their payroll but not registered under FARA still doing uh, ostensibly PR work on their behalf.
0: Yeah. All right. So I'm sorry. Back to the influence on the senators, the congressmen, their staff, et cetera, wherever you were there.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really crazy, Scott. We're, we you know, we documented over 8,000 different times Congress gets contacted. A majority of all members of co- Congress are contacted. They they even have sit-down meetings with some key members of Congress. So, you know, for example, Ted Cruz, he's really been driving this Anti-Russia hawk narrative, and you know, wants to sanction uh, 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 folks connected to the Nord Stream Two pipeline. Mm-hmm. Um, so these U- Ukraine's lobbyists have actually met with Ted Cruz himself, and in fact, one of Ukraine's biggest lobbyists right now, um, who heads a firm known as Yorktown Solutions. He's actually a former Cruz staffer. The, this guy directly worked for Ted Cruz. So he's got a direct line of communication directly to Cruz, who is really the, the, the champion for all things anti-Russia in Congress right now.
0: Amazing. And hey, did you see where Rand Paul was throwing some shade at his friend, too? And they republished it at the American Conservative. But it was a statement that Rand had put out where he said, hey, listen, it's no coincidence. In fact, he called it mercantilism. I love it. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, just, yeah, yeah, it was a great it's piece. no coincidence that the senators pushing for this happen to be from the states that have an interest in exporting natural gas. Man, this is just right. straight cronyism. Right. And this ain't free market capitalism, man. This is corruption.
1: Right, right. And I would say Rand's points on all of this have been very good too, to you know, he's asking all the right questions about what what is the US doing in Ukraine? What are what are the US interests there? Like independent of what Ukraine's interests are, what what's the US interest in going into World War Three with Russia?
0: Yeah, you'd think that's a pretty good question, but it takes the son of a Paul to even bring it up, like, Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> We're willing to risk literally everything <laughs> for what again
1: right right and, and and i I think that's why it's so alarming too to see you know all of the the C like the washington consensus the blob is in overdrive right now and it, it just seems to be itching for war and you know whether it's think tanks or it's the media it just seems like everybody is kind of pushing this narrative pushing us towards war but you really don't hear from the folks that are could, could potentially be on the front lines of that. You, you know, the, the, the U.S. soldiers who've been activated to go over there, not, not to mention the over 70,000 DOD personnel that are already stationed in, in Europe. I think if you ask those folks, uh, they, they're not very keen on going to war with Russia over some issues in Ukraine. Yeah.
0: All right. Hang on a second there, Ben. You guys, it's fun drive time at KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A., Unlike the American foreign policy establishment, we are not funded by arms manufacturers and foreign despotisms. We rely on you, our listeners. And we know the truth matters enough to you that you will in fact dig deep and do what it takes to help keep us on the air. At 110,000 watts, KPFK is the most powerful FM transmitter west of the Mississippi River, sending out this message of non-intervention to all of Southern California. In the past... The management here would just play extra Alan Watts during the fun drive. But the new bosses want to see if this audience will come through and support KPFK in the name of anti-war radio. So go to kpfk.org or call 818-985-5735. That's 818-985-5735. And when you pledge, let them know you support in part because of this show. Anyone who pledges $75 or more will get a copy of my new book, Enough Already time to end the war on terrorism as a token of our appreciation. Look, we know times are tough out there, but for those who can't afford it, please do your part to keep KPFK and anti-war radio on the air in Los Angeles. And thank you. Again, that's kpfk.org or 818-985-5735. Now let's get back to anti-war radio talking with Ben Freeman from the Quincy Institute. And look, I can report to you that Regular people have been, again, very successfully influenced by the TV to believe that Putin is Hitler. If we don't stop him at Ukraine, he's going to end up conquering all of Europe. It's going to be just like Hitler all over again and all these narratives. And they get it from not just CNN crazies, but from the news hour on PBS, too. This is what everybody apparently is paid to believe and then go on TV and say. And when they all agree, then, geez... They must know what's going on or what are they so afraid of, you know?
1: Right. And I would say, too, from our research, this dives right into another aspect of of what we've been looking at with Ukraine's influence. And that's on the media. I I don't think it's any accident that the narrative that we're getting from the media about this is so hawkish, because in some senses, that's by design. Ukraine's lobbyists contacted media outlets more than 2000 times last year. They had meetings with key officials from you know, CNN, Fox News, uh, you name it, CNBC. You, you go down the list of outlets and chances are they've either had a face-to-face meeting with Ukraine's lobbyists or they've been on the phone with them or received literally hundreds of emails in some cases. Um, and the, the lobbyists, too, are going very directly uh, to, to influence in some cases. They're planning op-eds. They're, they're helping to shape all of these narratives that we're hearing. So it's really no accident that the media seems very hawkish on this issue right now.
0: Yeah. Well, and who's sticking up for the other side of the story there? Russia must have some kind of, you know, lobbying. They obviously work very hard at pushing RT out there and that kind of thing. Do they do anything else? Do they have lawyers and K Street lobbyists that go up to the Hill and tell their side of the story? Yeah,
1: they, they do. Um, a couple issues going on here. The, number one, they do have their own side of this uh, lobbying and influence operation. Um, frankly, Russian state media is not really good <laughs> at convincing uh, uh, Americans to, to change their tune. But the real influential side of this for the Russians are the the pro-Russian pipeline interests. And principally, the, the, this Nord Stream 2 pipeline being built by the Russian energy company, Gazprom. And Gazprom has a bunch of lobbying firms working for it and other folks working on the pipeline uh, too. But unfortunately, all of these folks are registered under what's called the Lobbying Disclosure Act,
0: which is really just
1: supposed to be for foreign businesses, not for foreign governments. Um, And so unfortunately, we don't really know a lot about what they're up to. I can't Mm. really... Provide to your listeners any any detailed account of what the Russian lobby is doing, uh, because they're not registered under the Foreign Agents Registration Act. They're registered under the Lobbying uh, Disclosure Act. And I don't think they should be, frankly, because, you, you know, we know Gazprom, who's building this pipeline. This is a Russian state-owned company. And because they're a Russian state-owned company, they should be registered under FERA. So there's really an uneven playing field when it comes to the, the transparency behind
0: the lobbying fight. Yeah. Hang on just one second. Hey, y'all, they've got great deals on weed at thehempspot.com. The Hemp Spot specializes in Delta-8 tetrahydrocannabinol instead of Delta-9, so they can send it straight to you anywhere in America. Recently, a friend moved and didn't have a guy in his new town, but then he heard about thehempspot.com on my show and was saved figuratively and literally, because if you use the promo code Scott, you get 15% off every order and free shipping on any order over $100. Legal jams, bud, gummies, and the rest in your state, thehempspot.com. Spell V-T-H-C. You guys, my friend Mike Swanson has written such a great revisionist take on the early history of the post-World War II national security state and military-industrial complex in the Truman-Eisenhower and Kennedy years. It's called The War State. I have to say, it's the most convincing case I've read that Kennedy had truly decided to end the Cold War before he was killed. In any case, I know you'll love it. The War State by Mike Swanson. Some of y'all have a problem. You've got chickens, but you don't want to stand around throwing food at them all day because of all the important stuff you have to do. Well, the solution to that is to get the Free Range Feeder from freerangefeeder.com. The Free Range Feeder has been developed to satisfy the needs of the poultry chicken hobbyist and the homesteader. The convertible design allows for four different mounting methods. Go to freerangefeeder.com slash Scott or use promo code Scott to get 15% off and get the free ebook. Subscribe to their newsletter to immediately receive your free copy of Getting Started with Backyard Chickens. That's freerangefeeder.com slash Scott. Well, OK, but beyond, you know, direct disclosures and all that, are you under the impression that they lobby on the Hill very much or they just deal with the State Department anyway? Or do you think if you could compare their activity on the Hill to Ukraine or to Saudi or whatever, where would you rank it, do you think?
1: Oh, I don't think on the Hill that they have anywhere, anywhere near the sway of the Ukrainians are certainly nobody not wants Saudi to be seen
0: with them at this point anyway. Right. So they just deal oh, with the State Department.
1: They're toxic. They, I, mean, I mean, they're toxic. If you're yeah. a if you're a lobbyist for, for Russia, you know, you're you're a salmon swimming upstream and there's just bears everywhere trying to eat you. Hey,
0: you know, Senator a real... Sessions, a conservative Republican, long time, you know, I don't know how many terms he served, but many. Served. I hate that, but you know, that's what they call it. Anyway, uh, he was accused of high treason for meeting with the uh, Ukraine with pardon me, with the Russian ambassador in his Senate office in front of his staff who were all retired army officers. And and this was supposedly <laughs> part of you know, yeah, anyway. Toxic kind of association. Right. You don't want to have much to do with their point made.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, Russia is just such a scarlet letter right now on the Hill that the it, it's just so hard for, for their lobbyists, the folks on their side, to get anything done there.
0: See, I here's the thing, thing, man, right? Like when you're young, you think that adults know everything. And then when you're a regular guy, you think that congressmen know things. But then when you pay much attention to this stuff for very long, you realize that they're too busy to really know things. That's what their staff is for, telling them what they know and whatever. And then their staff are young people who don't really know much, except that what they just heard from the lobbyists who drop by. And it's a very kind of enclosed right. sort of a bubble of a ecosystem of a, you know, echo chamber kind of a thing there where the, thank God the Quakers are here. Right. If without the right. uh, FCNL, who's going to come to the Hill and say, well, actually, you know, that's not entirely right. There's another side of the story here you guys should know about. And it's really that easy, right? Just buy some lobbyists, create a narrative, and stick it in the brain of Pelosi and her people, and you rule the day. That's it. Right, right. I think
1: it's the dirty little secret of Washington that you're, the nation's laws are being written by twenty-four-year-old kids. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> Oops,
1: um, and it's true. Everything still you're doing, has uh, the
0: APAC <laughs> trademark at the bottom of the thing. Right,
1: right. And, and, and we see this with foreign lobbying, too, because, you know, people's bandwidth is is, is so small. And so you see members of Congress reading speeches that, that, that were written by foreign lobbyists. Uh, you know, a congressman named Ed Royce did this a few years ago. He was literally reading Saudi talking points verbatim on, on the House floor. And so you're like, what, like, is this just laziness? Um, and, and I think that's part of it, you know, because these folks, you know, there's a little bit of laziness, then they don't have enough time on their hands. So when a lobbyist comes in and says, oh, don't worry about it, you know, I'll make your job really easy. You know, here are the talking points. Or in some cases, lobbyists will literally write pieces of legislation for members of Congress. And that's not an exaggeration at all. We've seen this happen on many occasions before. And so but when that happens, you know, you as the average voter have to say, what the heck am I doing here? You know, why does why am I even voting? Does my vote even matter if these people are just introducing legislation that's literally written by lobbyists?
0: Yeah, crazy. All right. Sorry. Hang on just one second for me there. Ben Freeman, you guys. It's fun drive time at KPFK, 90.7 FM in LA. Now you hear me say it in the intro to this show every week that I've done more than 5,600 interviews since 2003. And it's true. They're all in the archives for you there at scotthorton.org. I started on Pirate Radio in Austin in 1998. And I've had shows on a national radio network, internet radio stations of every description, and of course, the ongoing Interviews podcast. But I've always considered every moment of time on the air on 90.7 FM in L.A. to be priceless. That's why you don't hear partisanship on this show. That's why you don't hear coverage of news cycle headlines. My job is bringing you the truth so that you won't support the war. It's no accident I've interviewed Gareth Porter 326 times so far. Anyway, point is, if you value what you hear on anti-war radio on Sunday mornings here on KPFK then you've got to do something about it. Go to kpfk.org or call 818-985-5735. That's 818-985-5735. And when you pledge, let them know you support in part because of this show. Anyone who pledges $75 or more will get a copy of my new book, Enough Already, Time to End the War on Terrorism, as a token of our appreciation. Thank you all. Again, it's KPFK.org or 818-985-5735. Now let's get back to our interview with the great Ben Freeman. All right, so now talk to us about the think tanks too. You know, for some reason when I was reading your article, I was reminded the first time I ever heard that term think tank. What's a think tank? Nobody told me that. Well, that's the arms manufacturers. They're good at engineering, but they're not that good at writers. So they got to hire some eggheads to write some (laughs) studies to be the excuse for why the military needs to buy weapons from them is essentially all it is, right? But then I guess this kind of goes unremarked upon, unnoticed. And maybe I think you've told me before that you think this is kind of a new phenomenon in the last generation or so where you really have the think tanks also directly sponsored by foreign governments to incredible degrees here where there's no disclaimer when you hear from an expert from the Atlantic council that this guy's paid by the Germans and the Qataris or whoever it is to tell you this right. point of view here, you know? So can you, first of all, describe a little bit of that think tank world from your point of view, if you could, and then the, where it intersects with our story here with the Ukrainian lobbyists.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a great question. It's one one of my favorite topics. And, uh, I think when we're talking about think tanks, think tanks in theory are designed to be some something of a bridge between the ivory tower, between academia and and, and those eggheads on that side, and in their fancy you know research, and connecting that to actual government policies. So, in, in other words, to say you know we've got all this you know fancy scientific research out there. How do we actually translate that into good policies for the U.S. government? That's ostensibly what think tanks are supposed to do in theory. In practice, think tanks sometimes do that, uh, but more often than not lately, they kind of serve a function as de facto lobbyists in many cases where – The funders of think tanks are asking for specific types of research, in some cases, very specific individual reports and even articles to be written. And so there is a there is a growing pay to play component to the work that think tanks are doing now. And that may or may not be problematic to, to, to an individual person if they're okay with who those funders are. But I think it gets into some very interesting questions when those think tanks are being funded by foreign governments, particularly authoritarian foreign governments. And this is what I found in my research, is that foreign money is just pouring into think tanks. I did a report for the Center for International Policy, where we tracked over $170 million going to the nation's top think tanks. And one of the biggest contributors to think tanks is actually the United Arab Emirates. And we know from multiple different examples that the UAE isn't just uh, handing over these millions of dollars and walking away. The UAE is asking for very specific things, uh, arms sales, uh, for folks to turn a blind eye to the situation in Yemen. Uh, And in some cases, too, they're looking to get specific U.S. weapon systems uh, sold to them, like U.S. military drones, which they've recently been authorized to buy from the U.S., too. The other thing on think tanks I, I I think is worth noting, too, is that they can serve as what I like to call holding tanks, where people go and join a think tank that you know might lean a little to to one side of the aisle or the other, and they just kind of hang out there until their party gets back in the White House. Uh-huh. and so then then they can leave the think tank and go back into the next Republican or democratic administration.
0: So in this way, did you coin that phrase? No,
1: I'm sure somebody else much smarter said it before I did, but (laughs) no, I like that. So, for
0: example, the Center for a New American Security during the last years of W. Bush, when they were gearing up to take over the Obama government and launch the surge in Afghanistan.
1: Exactly right. I think CNAS is a perfect example. And, you know, you look down the roster of CNAS now and you look at Biden administration folks. The Biden administration is now filled with former CNAS people. Um, and these are folks who, under the Trump presidency, they just sort of went to CNAS, in many cases, were just sort of holding out there and, and biding their time till they could get back in. And so Biden wins the presidency, and then swoop, it's right back into the executive branch. And I expect it to happen again for CNAS and other think tanks like it, you know, when. Uh, When there's a Republican back in the White House, they'll once again, you know, leave the administration and just jump back right back into these Democratic holdings that tanks and just wait there for a few years until they can jump right back in again. Mm -hmm.
0: So can you tell us about the Atlantic Council? Sounds nice. We like the Atlantic Ocean. (laughs) That's a that's a nice place full of fish for us to eat and things like that. So what could possibly go wrong? I don't know yeah yeah
1: that's a that's a great question i i live down in florida now and so i'm, I'm right by the atlantic ocean and i love it <laughs> but the yeah atlantic what a great council, name for a council i don't know right wonderful wonderful the, the Atlantic Council is is a favorite topic of mine, frankly, in that the Atlantic Council has what I think is the notorious title of getting money from a more diverse set of foreign governments than any other think tank in D.C. By my calculations, that they've in the last five years they've received contributions from more than two dozen foreign powers. And this includes, uh, in in the current circumstance, getting sizable contributions from uh, Ukraine. In fact, the the second wealthiest man in Ukraine uh, is not only a big donor to the Atlantic Council, he sits on the International Advisory Board of the Atlantic Council. And on top of all that, he's conducting surveys about the current crisis, which the Atlantic Council is then featuring prominently in the work of its scholars and, and, and other folks on its website. And then on top of that, Scott, what's going on in the back end is that behind the scenes, which folks aren't seeing, is that Ukraine's lobbyists are meeting with the Atlantic Council like crazy. In fact, just in 2021, uh, Ukraine lobbyists met uh, met with, emailed, or had phone calls with Atlantic Council scholars almost 600 times. This includes meetings with key Atlantic Council scholars, Uh, who are pushing for really heavily militarized U.S. responses to the crisis there and folks who are pushing for the U.S. to provide sanctions on the Nord Stream 2 crisis. So the Atlantic Council, to me, at least in the current crisis, is really a think tank that epitomizes this interaction that we can have between foreign governments lobbying efforts and the work that things think tanks are doing to promote the interests of those foreign
0: powers right all right well that's something else and i guess it explains a lot of what's going on right now on tv and in <laughs> dc so uh, really appreciate your insight here today man great stuff
1: you bet, Scott. One of these times I got to come on here with good news. You know, say something like, you know, foreign lobbying's over. You know, we figured it out. <laughs> Americans back in control. You know, we got the lobbyists out of the way. <laughs>
0: yeah. APAC forced to register as foreign agents. That'd be great.
1: Right. right yeah. We'll, we'll get them one day, Scott. <laughs>
0: exactly. All right. Well, thank you again, man. Really appreciate it, Ben.
1: Thank you, Scott. Always a pleasure.
0: All right, you guys. That is Ben Freeman. He is over at the Quincy Institute for Responsible Statecraft. ResponsibleStatecraft.org is their website. And this important piece is called Army of Ukraine Lobbyists Behind Unprecedented Washington Blitz. And that has been Anti-War Radio for this morning. Again, I'm your host, Scott Horton, editorial director of antiwar.com and author of Enough Already, Time to End the War on Terrorism. Find my full interview archive at scotthorton.org and at youtube.com slash scotthortonshow and support KPFK at kpfk.org or call 818-985-5735. That's 818-985-KPFK. And I am here every Sunday morning from 830 to 9 on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. See you next week.